Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Addict Podcast Thursday edition. Patrick Allen here, as always. You know, I really love that intro. Um, particularly the moment at Tanner's that captures us all just losing our minds. Uh, if, you, if you're an audio listener, if you watch uh, the show ever on YouTube and our, our sizzle there, our intro, uh, boy, that was a lot of fun. We hope to get back to Kansas City this year for another live event to see you all. Uh, got a great show lined up for you today. Our old pal, Matt Verderam from Sports Illustrated, formerly of Arrowhead Addict and Fan Sided, is back uh, just after the break here. And he is going to talk with us. I've got a bunch of questions for him because he hasn't been on the show since before the training camp games, got the preseason games started getting played. So I got all kinds of questions for him about what he thinks about what's going on. I want to know what he thinks about this Chris Jones situation and all the drama surrounding that. We know what Matt Connor thinks about that. If you saw that on the uh, on the show on Tuesday, he was hot about that situation. Um, so we're going to get to Matt in just a second. If you uh, want to do us a solid before he comes on, hit that like button over there on YouTube. Let's get some cheese fans in here to talk ball with us. And I've got to let you know about an important announcement that we have. If you're looking to play some bets on the NFL this season, we have a perfect one-stop shop for all your sports betting needs. Check out arrowheadaddict.com slash bets for a variety of sportsbook promos you can use to maximize your winnings. Each time you sign up for one of our promotions, you're directly supporting the podcast. These promotions are constantly changing. So if you're not sold on a promotion now, come back next week and we'll have new offers for you. Head on over to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets or by scanning the QR code on your screen, clicking the link in the description or typing it in. That's arrowheadaddict.com forward slash bets. Check out the episode description below for more information. All right, let's get the man in here. Our guy, Matt Verderam. He's been traversing the country, going to all the, the, the training camps here in the Great Lakes region. How you been, Verderam? And, and how was it to finally get to do this, this dream sort of training camp tour you've wanted to do for years? It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, I'm good. I'm happy not to be in the car anymore. Saw nine teams across eight camps. Went and saw the entire NFC North. Uh, one of those practices was uh, Lions and Giants joint practice up in Allen Park. Saw the Chiefs. Um, last week, they were the seventh of eight stops. Saw the Packers on Tuesday, Bengals, Browns, and Colts. So got a lot done. Got a camp report in for each team, a feature for each team. It was awesome. It was a lot of driving, but it was great. Saw Sterling Holmes when I was out in KC. We had lunch. That was fun. Nice. No, I couldn't, couldn't have enjoyed it more, man. It was awesome. So if you 
are not as privileged as Matt is to have a job in sports and can't go to all the training camps. If you're an NFL junkie, make sure you head over to Sports Illustrated and check out all Matt's columns so you can see what he saw at these practices. I've got to ask you then, Chiefs aside, who, what, which team surprised you the most of all the camps you visited? So the Bengals aren't part of this conversation because Joe Burrow wasn't there. It's really hard to sit there and judge a Bengals team that has like Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon playing with, with the first team. Of all the other teams, the Lions were really impressive. The Lions were really good. Defensively, I think it's going to be a little hit and miss early on because they have a lot of new parts in the secondary. But you talk to people around the building, like they love Brian Branch, second round rookie safety out of Alabama. A lot of people thought it would be in the first round, consensus best safety in the draft. They added Cam Sutton in free agency. They added C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the Eagles in free agency on a one-year deal. Emmanuel Mosley. A lot of new faces. I think it's going to take a little while for it all to gel, but I, I really love the offense. Like they added Jameer Gibbs, first-round pick. Second-round pick, they go out and they get Sam Laporte of the tight end who they're high on. You already know about Amon Ross and Brown. Goff is coming off a year where he had 29 touchdowns and seven picks. They have a phenomenal offensive line. They're really well coached. Ben Johnson, the offense coordinator there, knows what he's doing. So – I think the Lions are going to be really good this year. 10-11 win team. I, I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Um, defensively, I think it could be a little bit of a roller coaster. Hutchinson's there. James Houston's there. But but that front seven has a few questions. But I, I think they're they're going to do a lot. I really do. I think offensively, they're, they're going to be a top 6-7 offense in the league. I, and obviously, the Chiefs' first opponent here in just two weeks uh, from today yeah. at Arrowhead, they're going to get pressure tested against the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, when I suggested, I think, earlier in the offseason, hey, the Chiefs might want to be careful about that Lions game because they've got some punch. First game of the season, that's a good time to jump on teams, as we know. You don't have any fill. You know what they're doing. Right. How concerned do you think Chiefs fans should be, just in general, and then how, how concerned do you think they should be if Chris Jones isn't on the field when that game kicks off? I mean, look, if Chris Jones isn't on that field, it's concerned because the one thing with Goff is he's a completely different quarterback when he's not under pressure and when he is under pressure. So if you can't get to him... And it becomes a seven-on-seven drill. The Lions are going to light you up. Like they're going to move the ball. Now, I, I like the Chiefs' ability to blitz and to do different things. And the Chiefs have the corners that I think they can handle it. Now, look, there is one thing that the Lions have going against them in that game. They don't have Jameson Williams. He's suspended. The one question with them offensively that I think is a fair question, and I and I believe it's a fair question after watching them in, in camp. They if, without Jameson Williams, like I don't know who that second receiver is. That really scares you. Marvin Jones is a pro. He's a vet. That's fine. Khalif Raymond, same thing. But they don't they don't strike fear into you. Like if I'm the Chiefs, I'm doubling Amon Ross St. Brown on every incri- critical play and then just saying, all right, go ahead and beat me. That being said, Gibbs can catch the ball to the backfield. You do like Laporte and he's a rookie tight end. I don't think he's going to go for a buck 50 in that game. So, oh, look, the Chiefs are favored by a touchdown. I, I think rightfully so. I, the, yeah. the Chiefs should win the game because I, I think on the flip side, I mentioned this earlier, the Lions defense has a lot of new pieces, and I could see that being a game where also behind a great offensive line, Mahomes just goes, you know, 30 of 37, and it's just bing, 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 bing. Yeah. The Lions started one and six last year. They were a wreck. They finished eight and two. Their defense really, really switched and changed. James Houston came in, played really well. He was a rookie last year at eight sacks in seven games. Uh, Hutchinson had nine sacks last year. They have some youth up front. The Chiefs are the better team. They should win. They're home. But if Chris Jones isn't there, we already know. Amena, who's not there. I mean, let's be honest about it. The Chiefs are going to have a real hard time getting a pass rush with Karloftis and Enrique Uzama and what else. 
because you know Dan is going to rotate in fine, but like, that's not you're not scaring anybody with that group without Chris Jones in the middle. Yeah, they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to blitz if that happens. Hopefully, it won't. We're going to talk about it in just a second. Just not a game you want to be sloppy in if you're the Chiefs because the other team can put up some points. Right. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. So Chris Jones, you know, every all the Chiefs fans are sick of hearing about it. He's a character, right? We know that he likes to to mess around on Twitter. He's trolling everybody. He's tweeting cryptic stuff. Betty Davis eyes and signs he sees outside of bars and restaurants, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, But the the thing that that made waves yesterday was, you know, he threatened sort of to sit out eight games. You don't know if he's serious, but says, hey, I can afford it. Now, I know that it's going to be very expensive for him to to actually sit out games. When they start, $50,000 a day in camp is one thing. You start missing game checks. That's a whole other ball game. But on the eight games thing specifically, do you think he's just trolling or is that an empty threat or is it legit? Uh, I don't look. I think all, all off season myself and a lot of other people cover the league have sat here and you talk to people around the NFL, you talk to people around the team and it's like, look, the expectations he's going to sign, it's going to get done. And, I think if you took a straw poll of NFL media and said, when do you think this thing's going to get done? And you gave a date of an over-under, let's say, of August 1st. I think most people would have been like, yeah, it'll get done by or before August 1st. Well, it's August 24th, and Chris Jones is nowhere to be found. And so my money is still on the idea that eventually this deal gets done because it doesn't add up for either side. Like, look, if you're Chris Jones, if you sat out and gave up all this money, and additional money every day that goes on here. You're doing that to get a big contract. So, like, if you don't, if you don't get that big contract, then you just gave up a bunch of money. Okay. Right. The other point is Joel Corio for CBS Sports, former agent and now analyst for CBS, made, and it's a great point. If he sits out, that lowers his franchise tag hit next year. Every yeah. time he sits out, that number goes down and down and down and down and down. All of a sudden, it becomes a lot easier for the Chiefs to just go, yeah, we'll tag you, sure. I do not think he will set out games. I don't. Is it possible? Yes, absolutely. Do I think he will do it? No. I'd put it at maybe like 20% that he would actually do it because you're talking over a million dollars every game check. His base salary is nineteen five. okay? So he's getting a little over a million bucks every game check. He sits out seven weeks. You're almost talking 10 million bucks. He's going to sit out and give up $10 million. I don't care who you are. It's a lot of money. Yeah. If you're the Chiefs on the other side of this thing, you are motivated to get him signed long-term. He is your best player defensively. Fans can be as pissed off as him, at him as they'd like to be. He inarguably changes the calculus of that defense. But here's to kind of take a 30,000-foot view of it. Here's the other part of this. It's a big risk if Chris Jones sits out for one other reason. Their first seven games are not that difficult. They play the Bears at home. They play the Lions, who I think will be a very good team this year, but I think they should beat at home. They play Minnesota, a team that they have a very good chance to score in the 30s or 40s against. I watch Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to score some points. They're going to give up a ton of them. They play Denver on a Thursday night, those first seven games. The only hard games on paper, you look at maybe, maybe Chargers at home, at Jacksonville week two, at the Jets week four. I mean, what is what is the likely scenario there? Even without Chris Jones, they're five and two. Maybe they're even six and one. Like, that's not helping Jones's case if the Chiefs are just rolling without him. I, yeah. The harder part of the schedule comes later in December yeah. when you get the Bills and you've got the Bengals and you got a rematch with the Chargers Week 18. You get the Eagles, Eagles. in November. Yeah. He's going to be there for all those games. So I, that's the other part of this. Like if you're the Chiefs, yeah, you want him there. You you absolutely want him there. And lastly, because I think this is important, if he, if he misses seven games, 
What are the odds that he's a pro bowler? What are the odds that he's an all pro? That's a little thing, but it's something that if he were to hit free agency next year, teams are going to go, all right, well, now you're 30. Coming off a year, you didn't play the whole year. And if he has, unfortunately, like a, a hamstring pull or something, now he's playing like less than half the season. Right. That matters. Right now is Chris Jones' best chance to get a huge deal one more time in his career. Right now. First team all pro. Super Bowl champion last year. Third in defensive player of the year voting. As great as he is, the odds that he's going to repeat that season with that trifecta, very unlikely. As he goes on, he gets older. Chances are he won't have as good of a counting stat season. Chances are, just speaking from probability, they won't win the Super Bowl because you got 32 teams going for it. Like, your best shot to get a huge deal is right now. And I, I just think in the end, if you're Jones, you're just holding out to get the best deal you possibly can. If you're the Chiefs, I don't think you have a reason to negotiate. You just sit and hold firm right now. Yeah. That, that's why I think we're at such an impasse. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, and, and something I'd like to point out is if he was willing to sit out games, if it was that bad, I feel like he'd have requested a trade by now. You know, that that's where I start to feel like maybe it's a little bit of a bluff or he's just trolling. Because when you get to the point where you're sitting, you're that mad that you're risking giving up millions of dollars. Why not just say, hey, you know what? Trade me. And I know his trade value wouldn't be anywhere near as good right now as it would have been before the draft, but he hasn't made that move yet. Right. It's a good point. And also factor this in. They would tell him no. Yeah. They would tell him no. I, I've, I've seen a lot of people draw comparisons to Tyreek Hill. Here's the difference. Tyreek Hill happened before the draft. It happened at the outset of free agency. Like every team had all their picks. Every team had a ton of cap space. Teams don't have a ton of cap space right now. Like You're going to ask some team to say, okay, look, we'll acquire one of the best defensive players in football. Everybody's happy to do that. But then you've got to then pay him as though he is Aaron Donald, which I think Chris Jones is phenomenal. He does not have the career Aaron Donald has. This is the crux of this whole problem. The problem is Chris Jones, by all reports, is looking to get paid very, very close to, if not equal to, Aaron Donald's money. He was last year the best defensive tackle, the best defensive lineman, you could argue, in the NFL, certainly the best interior defensive player in the NFL. So Chris Jones is looking at it saying, well, hell, I want to get paid as for what I am right now, which is the best. The Chiefs are looking at this thing going, we love you. You're not Aaron Donald from a career standpoint. Aaron Donald is the best defensive tackle along with maybe Joe Green in NFL history. Jones is a Hall of Fame level player, but he's not Aaron Donald from that perspective. And so I think you have this push-pull. The Chiefs are sitting there going, well, we'll pay you a ton of money, but we're not going to pay you like you're Aaron Donald because you're not historically. And Jones is saying, well, that's nice historically speaking, but I'm at the point of my career where I'm the best player. 
it's kind of like if let's say the Chiefs renegotiated Mahomes today, okay? And they were like, look, you're so much better than everybody else a quarterback. Everybody else is around 52, 53. We're going to give you 60 million a year. We're just going to blow it out of the water. And then let's just say this this isn't the case, but let's actually here, perfect example. Let's say, let's say Joe Burrow went out this year and won the Super Bowl and won the MVP. And then went to the Bengals and said, I want 64 million a year. I want 62 million a year. The Bengals would probably be like, look, Joe, you're amazing. You had the best year of your life, but like you're not, you know, the body of work Patrick Mahomes does. So we're going to pay you a little under him. Maybe we'll go to 58, but we're not going to go to 62, 63. And then Burrow's like, well, screw that. I just had the best year of anybody. I had the best year of my career, and now I'm better. And so you have this weird gray area where the sides are dug in. But I don't I don't see a world where he's traded. I would be shocked. Never know. Never know. But I would be very surprised. Now, I thought he would be back now, either with a deal or without, right? I thought, okay, he's going to show up, training camp's over. Right. He hasn't. Maybe they want to take it one more week, which is, you know, that makes you a little uncomfortable because now you're into a game week. You know, how do you see how do you see this playing out from this point on? I think in my mind today was the deadline of him showing up and playing fully in week one. We're two weeks away. I I don't I don't think he's playing fully in week one. I think he might play, you know, pass rushing snaps, maybe push half the snaps, something like that. But normally he's good for 80 percent. I don't think he's playing all the snaps. I mean, he's got two weeks to go. Now, of course, he knows the defense and all that. I'm sure he's in fine shape. But like as Steve Spagnuolo said, there's a difference between being in shape and in football shape. And they're not going to risk him getting hurt by going out there and just going full tilt and jamming on the accelerator and trying to go 90 miles an hour out of the garage. They're not going to do that. No. But I will say the one thing I think people do have to realize, and, and, and I'm not telling you how to feel about the situation. You feel however you want. Chris Jones has a right to sit there and hold out. He's paying for that right. Like, he has legitimate feeling. Uh, he has legitimate feelings of being like, "Look, I am the best at my position right now, and I want to get paid like it." Now, Chiefs have every right to say, "Well, we're not going to do that." But Jones isn't necessarily wrong here. Like, I feel like the, the sentiment which a lot of Chiefs fans has just been like, "Look, he's wrong. Get the camp. Come on." And look, he feels like he's worth more than what he's getting going forward, and I understand that. Now, I think it comes to a point. Where if you're Chris Jones, and let's just say the Chiefs offer from 28 a year, 80 guaranteed. Like, I think that's probably a better offer than anything you're getting next offseason. But I also understand that. Like, I don't think it's I don't say I don't think it's right. I don't think it's rational to just be furious at Chris Jones for the fact that like he wants to get paid as close to Aaron Donald as you can be. I, I don't think that's nuts. Like, does he have the body of work of Aaron Donald? No, he does not. Was he the best defensive tackle in football last year? And has he been the second best for year after year after year after year? Yeah, has been. And he's got one more ring than Aaron Donald has. Like he Now, again, do I think that means you should get paid more than him? No, I don't. But I understand the logic that Chris Jones is using and that the Katz brothers, who represent Chris Jones, is using. I still think it's more likely than not that they figure out a contract extension. But yeah, has this gone on longer than just about anybody thought? Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was on record yesterday saying, yes, it's gone on longer than I thought it would. No question. What do you, what do you say to fans who say like, and I, I share your view on this. I, I, I had a video where I talked about it on a podcast. I put a, a tweet out and, you know, I was going back and forth with some fans and they were saying, hey, you know, like he owes it. He's leaving his, his teammates out to dry. He owes it. He's 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 got a contract. He's under contract. He he should be a man of his word. He should show up and play the contract, regardless of whether or not he wants to negotiate. He should be there. What do you say to people like that who are mad? Well, 
Look, I mean, really, what the hell's the difference if he's there or not, right? Now, now you could argue, okay, if he's there, maybe the Chiefs are more willing to negotiate because he's in the building. Fair. But if Jones is there, he's probably just doing a hold-in, right, where he sits there and doesn't practice. I'd argue that's every bit the distraction, if not even more so, because now he's there every day, right? And every one of the people in my industry are sitting there and they're taking pictures of him at practice and they're talking about it at practice. He's not there. I mean, he's look, he's paying to not be there. He's paying $50,000 a day. Do I think that that is the smartest business move in the world? No, I don't. But I will say I respect the fact that he's he's got a stance and he believes in it. Now, mm-hmm. I still think in, in all this, he could have just held in and said, look, I'm not going to practice whatever, you have a ghost injury, whatever you want to call it, and he's not giving up 50 grand a day. And if I'm the Chiefs right now, if I'm Brett Veach, I'm telling Chris Jones and I'm telling his representation, I will not negotiate with you at all further, either until you show up to camp or show up to practice at this point, or if you're an, if you're just accepting it, the already made offer. Because I'm not going to sit here and negotiate while you're out of town. If you want to sit out seven games, like I want to give credit, Ross Tucker said this on his podcast, and I agree with him. If you're the Chiefs, are you that devastated if he sits out seven games? Because now he's a hell of a lot more affordable next year on the salary cap if, if you tag him. A hell of a lot more affordable. And I think there's one other aspect to this that has been talked about a little bit, but I haven't seen it talked about a lot. So the Cats brothers represent Chris Jones. And uh, talking to people around the league, they're very well respected. Um, they don't have a massive amount of clients in the league, but they do right by their clients. Um, if this is a bigger agency that reps Jones, is this a little bit different? You know, if this is a Drew Rosenhaus, if this is CAA, if this is Clutch, if this is Athletes First, maybe it's different. And and by that, I mean, look, maybe a big, big, big agency like that, maybe this is one of many big deals they're working on, many big deals they're doing. Because a lot of those agencies don't just rep football players. They rep basketball players. They rep baseball players. They rep rep celebrities. They rep people in the media. Yeah. If you're the Catch Brothers, like, this deal is massive, not only to your own personal bottom line, but also, like, to attract other clients. And to show that you're not going to get bullied and that you're going to get the best deal for your guy, this is a really, really important moment for them too. Whereas maybe the CAA wouldn't be because you have 50 other contracts you're going to negotiate like this in the next two years. I, I think that's also something that factors. Now, in the end, Jones could just tell his agents and his representatives, hey, look, I want, to, I want to get in here, get the best deal in the next 24 hours and let's go. But typically, players will let their agents do their jobs. And I, I think that is a small part of this, but I, I think it is a part of it that needs to be brought up as well. What do you say to people who say, hey, look, this makes the Chiefs look cheap. They wouldn't pay Tyree Kill. They wouldn't pay Orlando Brown Jr. All right, like we can maybe understand those, right? You got this guy. There's a strong argument to be made that the Chiefs don't even make it to the Super Bowl last year without Chris Jones. They don't oh, they win that game against the no. Bengals, right? Yeah. What do you say to people who are like, all right, look, so maybe he's asking for 31 and you're offering 28 and he'd take 30. He'd be happy with 30. What the hell? Like, you know, $2 million a year is not going to sink your salary cap. It's not going to yeah. sink your team. Why not just pay this guy for all he's done for you? He just turned 29. You're going to get two more years probably of peak performance out of him at least. Why not just give him a couple more million a year, make him happy, and show the rest of the league, hey, if you're an all-timer for this franchise, if you're a Ring of Honor guy, like we're going to, we're, we're not going to cheap, we're not going to lowball you. We're not going to nickel and dime you. Because my, my strong inclination on this is this is not about average annual salary. If it wasn't, the Chiefs just figure it out. I think it's about guaranteed money. And guaranteed money matters because guaranteed money makes it harder to move on from guys later in the contract creates more dead cap. It ties you to a player for longer. 
So, you know, now I'm look, this is just an example, but like let's say the Chiefs are comfortable going to 78 million guaranteed. And Jones is like, nah, I want I want 90. That's a big difference. Yeah. That's a big difference. I don't know that the average annual salary is that big of a deal. I really don't. But for people who say it makes the Chiefs look cheap, yeah, look, the Chiefs in some ways have looked cheap the last couple of years. Now, Hill, Hill was unique in the sense they still had Kelsey, and the, that market went so crazy that I think it was understandable. Even if it was shocking, we were sitting there doing a podcast back then when that happened. Like I remember being floored that they traded him. But you, when you sat back and, and you, you looked at it from a, a macro perspective, I think you could understand it. The difference with Chris Jones is the market has not gone crazy here. Like the market has incrementally gone up outside of Donald, which is the outlier. And Chiefs are sitting here treating like Donald is an outlier. And, and Jones is saying, yeah, well, I'm an outlier too. So pay me like one. Um, neither one of those sides is necessarily wrong in that argument. The other part of this is though, too. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of, well, are the Chiefs cheap or not? Look, I can tell you for a fact, multiple, multiple sources on this one. They offered Orlando Brown way more money than he took from Cincinnati. Okay, that was financially speaking a miscalculation by Orlando Brown Jr. and his representation. Now, maybe it works out for him. I actually caught up with him. I was talking to him in Cincinnati. Couldn't have been nicer. Great guy. Financially speaking, he left a lot of money, potential money on the table in Kansas City. Okay, the Chiefs off also a couple of years ago when they signed Joe Tooney, who, by the way, they made the richest interior offensive lineman in NFL history. They also went hard after Trent Williams offered him a fortune just at the end, got outbid by a San Francisco team that he had already played with and was comfortable with. They offered Traverius Ford good money. Tyron Matthew, they were right to move on. Not that Tyron Matthew wasn't decent last year in New Orleans, but as we all saw, it worked out for the Chiefs just fine. I think for the Chiefs, I wouldn't say they're cheap, but they have a line that they don't go over. I mean, they just paid Juwan Taylor four years and 80 million. Like They will pay guys, but they and Brett Veach believe in a line and they very rarely go over it, and it has worked out very well for them. But, yes, with a guy like Jones, Jones is the Mahomes of your defense, and if you don't pay that guy and you don't keep that guy, that's a hard one to wallpaper over. In my opinion, much harder to wallpaper over than losing Tyreek Hill. Yeah, agreed. And which is one more thing on this, and we can move on. And we had a question here from Nathan in the chat. It says, is there a chance uh, Clark Hunt is – uh, holding things up with how much money he wants in escrow. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Once you have guaranteed money, right. you got to put that money in the bank in escrow. And our own Adam Best from the podcast, he's been very critical of Clark Hunt. Now, we don't know if Clark Hunt's holding it up, but the Chiefs have been near the middle bottom of the league in cash spending over the last few years. Do you know anything about this? Like, have you heard anything? Like, and, and do you believe, and my, I'll tell you my opinion on this before you weigh in, which is that I believe that if Brett Veach wanted the guaranteed money to sign Chris Jones and he went to Clark Hunt, Clark Hunt would give it to him. I believe that because I think the Chiefs are a well-run organization and I think Clark Hunt is a good leader and I think he trusts the guy he hired to be the GM of the team. But what do you think? What's going on there? I agree with you. Uh, Clark Hunt spoke at the beginning of training camp, I believe it was, and said about the Chris Jones situation, well, that that's up to Brett Veach and I'll let Brett work on that. I believe him. I think if Brett Veach and, and the Cats brothers strike a deal, Clark Hunt will pretty happily cut that check. Say whatever you want about Clark Hunt, but the Chiefs spend money. I can tell you that because that coaching staff the Chiefs have, which does not count against the cap, does not count for the cap, that is not a cheap coaching staff. Okay, Brett Veach is not a cheap GM. And none of those none of those things factor into the money that they have to spend with a cap floor and a cap ceiling. Like Andy Reid is not cheap. Steve Spagnuolo is not cheap as a coordinator. 
Okay, Dave Tobe is an expensive special teams coordinator. Like they they spend. They have spent a lot of money guaranteed on guys like Tooney and Juwan Taylor, obviously on Mahomes, Kelsey over the year. Like they've they spend the money. I look, I think everybody has a budget. Everybody has a limit at some point. I do not think that factors into this. It's a fair question, but I don't yeah. think it factors in. Yeah. And I'm sure that the Chiefs have a budget for cash spending, and maybe that budget is a little bit on the lower side. And I think that smart money managers would tell you, hey, we can go over it if we need to, but it's not, we're not going to set the standard up here. And then, then when you need to go over, we're up here. I'm going to set it here. You come to me, we'll talk about it. That's what I think is going on here. I agree with you. I think this is Brett Veach doing his job and planning it out. All right. Um, listen, everybody, uh, we're going to get, I got a ton of questions for Matt for the, uh, about his, his predictions for this team. Um, before we get to that, just want to let you know, if you want to become a member of this podcast, support more content like this, we're trying to expand. We're doing all kinds of things. We're getting ready for the season. Uh, consider becoming a member. You get special emojis in the YouTube chats. Uh, you get access to a private discord where you can hang out with the hosts. We're doing a fantasy football league. The draft for that's coming up next week, I believe. Uh, with our with our members virtual happy hours it's a lot of fun so check out the link in the description wherever you're getting this podcast and we appreciate your support all right program so q a for you on some of this stuff you haven't been on the podcast since they started playing games in the preseason um so i'm just curious to know a few things and the first one which i think really kind of heated up last week based on that preseason game with all the quarterbacks playing well frankly but shane bouchelle in particular how do you see this backup quarterback battle shaking out? Bouchelle's been around for a couple years now. They bring in Blaine Gabbert. Bouchelle's looking good. Do they keep them both? And who's your primary backup? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an honest answer to this, and I'm also going to try to be analytical. Yeah, I think they're going to keep them both. Okay, number one. Number two, who cares? Because if, if, if Mahomes isn't playing, it's bad news anyway, right? I, no, I, look, I, I, think, I think Gabbert's my backup. He has experience. I think after this year, I might turn it over to Bouchelle and just let him be the backup going forward. But yeah, I think they're going to keep all three guys, man. And I, I think I think Bouchelle has played well. I'll tell you what I would do, though. All, all kidding aside, they get to week 18, the game means nothing. Like if they've wrapped up everything, I would not start Gabbard. I would start Bouchelle in that game. Yeah. And I would try to show, I'd try to make him look like Joe Montana in that thing. <laughs> like yeah. we have seen that happen before. Kevin Cobbs of the world, Matt Flynn. Matt was Flynn laughed all the way to the bank. The Never played. The Packers. <laughs> I would beat, man, I'm serious. I would be doing everything with Bouchelle in that game to try to get him to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. Okay. And then immediately start, hey, you want to trade him? But no, I think right now, like Gabbert, say whatever you want about him. The guy's been there. He's been in the league. He's he's very similar to Henny, right? Like he's just he, that kind of a makeup. And then I, I would, but, but, but if there's a game that is meaningless to showcase, then I would, I would go for, I, I would put Bouchelle in the game because then I think, I think there's a lot of upside there with Gabbard, obviously, is not. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. I, 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 Andy likes to have that steady veteran presence back there. And I think uh, they obviously like Bouchelle. And if he can be their long term backup, if they want to give him one more year of seasoning, that's that's fine by me. Um, all right. Which player has surprised you the most in this camp slash preseason phase? Who didn't you see coming? You know what? Do you real honest answer? Justin Ross. Yeah. Not because the talent wasn't there. You know, I, I do my every week on Twitter. Um, I do almost like a mini podcast with my super followers on Twitter. And uh, some of which I see in here, by the way, which is cool. And 
all off season, I feel like a lot of those guys and gals asked me, like, well, what about Justin Ross? And I kept saying the same thing. I, I don't think he's going to make the team. He's never healthy. Like, he's just had a lot of injuries, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, that, that's something that typically kind of continues. The older you get, usually the more hurt you get. He has been awesome. He has been absolutely awesome in camp. Um, unfortunately, the day I went to camp, he actually did leave early with a little, uh, like, a lower leg thing, and he was back there, so he was fine. But you talk to people at Chiefs camp, um, everybody's excited about him. You watch the games. It's obvious. I mean, that I know it's a route. It's one route, a preseason game. That pivot route he ran against the Cardinals, that corner's still looking for him. Yeah. That guy's, that guy's 6'4", 210 pounds. He turned mm-hmm. in a dime. So it's him, and it's, it's Rasheed Rice is the other one for me, who you'll look at and go, okay, like, I know Andy doesn't like to play rookies, but Rasheed Rice is making some waves. Uh, I was really impressed in Arizona for one reason. He dropped the first ball thrown to him. It's a slant route. Mahomes hit him right in the hands, dropped the ball. He didn't then go in the tank. He caught his next eight targets for over 90 yards. That's the kind of a play that could deflate a young guy, and then all of a sudden it's like you're, you're mentally, you're just you're fighting it all game long. I was super impressed that he came right back from that yeah. Well, I was at camp on, on let's see, last Tuesday. Um, I'll quickly share. So I wrote about this. Hopefully people read it, my camp report for SI. But the Chiefs were working on a quick pass down the red zone. Then they, they ran the line of scrims to simulate spiking the ball, like in, a, like in a time crunch situation. And in this play in particular, so Mahomes was quick out to Richie James, catches the ball. He actually went out of bounds. They were simming it like he didn't. They were under the line, spiked the ball. Sky Moore goes running out off the field out of the out of the huddle. And Rasheed Rice was not really late getting in. He just, it seemed like, at least from my perspective, from the up in the media tent, it took like maybe a half extra second for him to get out there. And Mahomes clearly like said something to him and gestured to him. And it seemed like from body language, I couldn't hear him, but it seemed from the body language almost like, come on, like let's get in the huddle. Let's go. Next play, literally 10 seconds later, Mahomes takes five-step drop. Throws just a bullet 20 yards down the middle of the field. Rice catches a touchdown. First guy to celebrate with him is Mahomes. J- runs over to him, slaps him on the back. They're on the field together. To me, that showed, A, the leadership of Mahomes, but also, like, he expects something out of that kid. Hmm. That was, to me, a notable thing. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, really exciting performance from him in that preseason game. No matter who was in there at quarterback, guys were looking for him. Uh, and that's probably carryover for some practices. So, so you mentioned on on Justin Ross. Um, so I'm not going to ask you this question about his emergence, but I will ask you on him. I, I assume you feel like he's a lock to make the team. How much do you think he plays? Is he going to be one of these guys who everyone gets excited about? He makes the team, and then you never see him. He has like you know a catch a game in some packages. I think it's one of those things where if you're expecting him to go out and have a thousand yards, like you're probably gonna be disappointed. They, they just have so many receivers. We went into the camp. I feel like a lot of Chiefs fans went to the camp and, and, and people covering the, the, the team and the league and looked at them and went, okay, that's kind of the question mark, right? Like who's gonna be their big receiver? They lost Juju, Cole Hardman's gone. Um MBS, is it gonna be Kadarius Tony, who was kind of the the hot trendy pick, and, and certainly he might still be. But they now have so many guys. They're probably going to keep seven receivers. I think they're almost compelled to. 
I don't think Ross or Rice is going to have 800 plus yards. I just don't. I, I think I think there's too many mouths to feed on this offense. But could I see it being a thing where Ross has 35 catches for 500 yards and some touchdowns, or Rice has that stat line? Yeah. And I got to tell you, if you're the Chiefs, you're probably pretty happy with that. I mean, it's coming out of nowhere. I I don't think either one of them is higher than MVS or Tony when he's healthy on the depth chart. But after that, like it's kind of wide open for interpretation. I. Watson will make the team based on his special teams abilities. Richie James will make it on specials. I also think he probably makes it because he can actually contribute on offense. But yeah, I, I think those guys, it's just going to be a rotation with Sky Moore and, and Richie James and Justin Ross and Rasheed Rice. And I think it's just going to kind of be, you know, game to game, play to play. Yeah, they were running him in and out during that game in Arizona. Sky on, Rice on, off. It's going to be fascinating to see. Um, so I guess the follow-up to that is which receivers from this very competitive group do you think won't make the roster? Well, I'll, I'll go, I'll do it this way. I think seven will make it. I think it'll be Ross, Rice, MVS, Watson, Richie James, Tony, and who am I missing? Uh, Sky Moore, Sky Moore. I think those seven will make the roster. Um, I think it's really hard to cut any of those guys. I don't think they will. So assuming they all make it through the rest of the preseason healthy, I, I think those guys uh, are, are going to make it. And I see Tom in the chat asking who, who I think will be the number one receiver. As far as actual, like not including Kelsey, like wide receivers, if we're going by yards, uh, MVS. I think MVS will be. I know Tony's – look, to, I will say this. Tony has the most upside of any of them. Like Tony, if he's healthy, he could have a huge – set of numbers but i just he's not usually healthy so yeah. i think mvs might have like 800 yards which would be a career year for him i could see that happening for him and i could see a lot of guys having between like five and 650 which in some ways might be harder to guard than just having two great receivers and then a bunch of guys who have like 200 300 yeah i agree with you. i think tony has the most potential to just he's one of those guys I think that can have will have a game all of a sudden where he goes for 120 yards, 130 yards, and just blows up the stat sheet. He's got that kind of talent. So if he's able to stay on the field, who knows? But that'll be the question mark. All right. Willie Gay Jr. is in a contract year. As we turn our attention to the defense a little bit, do you think that he's done enough to earn a second contract with the Chiefs? And what do you expect out of him this season? So Willie Gay is a tough one. Because on one hand, listen, you'll love his talent and you'll love what he brings to the team, and, and that includes his, his infectious energy. But I'm going to pull up his, his uh, PFR page right now. So Willie Gay, in his career, for the Chiefs defensively, 25% of snaps as a rookie, 57% in 2021, big jump, 69% last year, and it should be noted, only played 13 games. So it's interesting if you look at it, like his numbers in terms of being on the field, they keep climbing. Um, you know, if you look defensively, he didn't have many games where he wasn't on the field. Now, you take obviously the four games he was suspended, he never had a game where he played less than 56% of the snaps in regular season, ever. Um, he had a lot of games. He had 92, 87, 82, a bunch of games in the 70s and high 60s. And uh, in ironically, in the playoffs, he had only 39% against the Bengals to get hurt. 
during that game. He had 64% against Jacksonville right in that sweet spot. And against Philly, 88%. Um, probably for his speed to combat some of the speed that Philly had in the, in the front as well. Yeah. I actually think it makes sense to sign him for a few reasons. One is he's a he's a really nice player, but he's not going to like break their bank. You know what I mean? Like he's not a pro bowler. He's not an all pro. He's not a guy who's going to have 180 tackles like Bolton because it's just not the position he plays. I actually think it makes more sense in some ways to pay him than it does Snead. And I'm not saying they shouldn't pay Snead, but like Snead's probably going to get paid really well if he has another good year, and he should, by the way. But the Chiefs have a bunch of young corners. He's going to command more money. Like Sneed to me is probably a anywhere between, I don't know, a, a 12 and a half to a 14, 15 million dollar player a year. Gay's not going to get that. Drew Tranquil just had five sacks on like 145 tackles. He got paid one year, three million up to five. If I can get Willie Gay for you know three or four million bucks a year for two or three years, yeah, I'm all in on that. Like to me, that that you're getting a lot of bang for your buck there. So I actually think it would make sense if you're the Chiefs, you're not outlaying a ton of money and you're getting a player who knows your system, who's really good in it, and by the way, who gives you a hell of a lot of energy. I I, I think it makes sense to bring him back. It being a contract year, do you think he is able to blow up a little bit more in terms of his statistical output, or is he ended up being the same guy he was last year, essentially? I think he'll continue to see more of a role. Now, keep in mind, it's going to be a little bit interesting to see if his snap count actually goes up because Tranquil's there. Right. So, you know, do they – I think the Chiefs should play more three linebacker looks this season. You know, a lot of times it's been with them and with Spagnolo, it's been a lot of nickel, dime packages where they have three safeties. Um, you know, obviously the dime with the three safeties, nickel with the two and the three corners. but And, and they're going to play a ton of nickel because in today's NFL, it's a starting defense. That's base defense, really. But I'd like to see him go to a little less dime this year and a little more, give me that 3-3-5. Three, three, instead, instead of maybe a nickel where in the past it's been like a 4-2, I'm cool with a 3-3-5. Three, three, like, put Jones head up over the center and then have Carl Loftus and Omenahu and Omenahu gets back rushing off the edges. Give me Tranquil, Bolton, and Gay in the middle of that defense. That's a lot of speed. It's a lot of athleticism. I'm cool with that. I'm not saying never go to a dime look or never go to a three safety look because I think they have the the ability to do that. And by the way, we talked about this a little bit earlier, guys who are standing out. One guy you talk to people around them who people are really excited about in Kansas City is Jamari Connor. He is uh he is he's very well thought of. Let's put it that way. I would not be shocked if that kid has a significant role in this team early. So, mm-hmm. and he's kind of got that versatility. He can play a little corner, he can play some safety. So I just think Gay's snap count might stagnate a little bit just because of all the other pieces they've added. But I, I don't know that that's a, an indictment of him as much as it's more, hey, we have more guys than we've had in the past. It's a stronger unit for sure. All right, yeah. so the same question, and you already touched on it a little bit, Legarius Sneed, he's in a contract year. Do you see him back with the Chiefs next season? I think it's to be determined. Um, so right now you have McDuffie. You have Joshua Williams, who's had, from my understanding, an exceptional camp. They have Jalen Watson, who was Mr. Reliable last year, despite being a seventh-round rookie. They drafted Nick Jones in the seventh round, who was having a nice camp before he got a, a, well, it was a couple of broken fingers. I think the argument for Snead is that 
he gives you immense <clears throat> versatility with your corners, with your cornerback room. Like, if he's not there, now McDuffie's got to play in the slot, and you're kind of locked into that. When Sneed and McDuffie are there, you can move guys all over the place. So it gives you – now, if Connor develops into a guy who they feel – and this is why I think it's to be determined. If Jamari Connor becomes a guy where the Chiefs go, oh, you know what, he can play some in the slot now. That kind of that kind of changes things. Because now it's like, all right, now we got a guy who can play in the slot. He can play some safety. But, like, if we lose Sneed, maybe he goes into that slot role. And now you can – you can play McDuffie outside, or you can reduce McDuffie inside on a certain down and move, and, and you have that 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 chess piece, right? So, I think it kind of depends. How does Connor play this year? Chiefs are high on. How does it work out? Um, does Snead have a healthy year? Right now, his, his knee has been problematic throughout the course of the summer. My guess, if you said to me, right this second, got to pick, I would say you will not resign him because I think they have a lot of youth at that position. I think he's probably going to get paid like he's a top 10 to 12 corner in the league. And I'm not saying he's not, but I don't know that the Chiefs will pay when I think they've got to pay Humphrey coming up. They've got to pay Bolton coming up. I think Gay makes sense for the reasons we've talked about. They've got a lot of youth and, and cheap players at corner who they like. Um, not saying they couldn't pay him, yeah, but I, I would lean more toward no than yes. And if he does get paid like you think he will, depending on what the Chiefs do in free agency, they're pretty much guaranteed to get a third-round pick for him on the yeah. compensatory scale, right? right. So would, They would get a nice return. Yeah. Um, what about Trey Smith? I noticed you didn't mention Trey Smith on guys to pay. I didn't only because I think of the guys going forward – Bolton is the quarterback of that defense. And I wrote a feature about him at Sports Illustrated that I hope people read. I, I, I will say I really enjoyed talking to him. I asked him, how many times did you watch the Super Bowl since that game? And he kind of laughed. He said, about 20. Yeah. And I said, how many times did you watch your play? He's like, a lot. He's like, but I also watched the other one that that was nullified. It could have and should have been a touchdown. Um, well, I don't want to pour his name. I think he said could have. Um, I think they have to pay Bolton. He's the quarterback of the defense. I know Bolton sometimes gets some grief. Look, the guy, I mean, he was the best player on the field in the Super Bowl. He was unbelievable. Um, Humphrey is, to me, an extension of Mahomes in that offense. Like he's your center. He is your, he is your central brain uh, on that. Like you have to keep him. I mean, that guy, that guy's off to like a Hall of Fame level start to his career. Yeah, yeah. Trey Smith is the one again. It's interesting. Like he's not been a Pro Bowl. He's not been an All Pro, but he's played at a Pro Bowl level. He's a very, very good player. Does he get paid as though he's like a second-team all-pro-level player by somebody in free agency, If should he get the free agency? Or is he one of those guys, it, it kind of falls through the cracks a little, and maybe he gets a, you know, instead of like 15 or $13 million a year, maybe he gets something more like 8 or $9 million a year. I think if the price is right for the Chiefs, they do it. I would lean, though, that they would bring him back for one big reason that's different than Snead. Sneed doesn't block for Patrick Mahomes. Trey Smith does. And I don't know if you're the Chiefs that you can invest enough into your offensive line. Like, yeah. if I'm the Chiefs, I'll let a receiver go. I'll, I'll let I'll let even a, a, a player on defense go, maybe a linebacker or even a corner with as many as they have right now. I'll let those guys go. I, I don't want to do it. I don't like to do it, but I will do it. If there is one thing other than Mahomes himself that I will not compromise on if I'm Brett Veach, it's that offensive line. 
So yeah. I would lean because also keep in mind by the time they got to pay him, Tooney's contracts up. So my guess would be that yes, that they would pay him. Um, but again, it it might come down to cost and and where you know where his cost is going to be. What if he goes out this year and becomes an all pro? It's possible, right? So yeah. um, he's not even eligible to be paid till after this year. But I'll tell you, if I'm Veach and I want to keep him, I'm trying to get him done after this year. I don't want that to get to, to free agency because then stuff can get crazy. Well, then speaking of the offensive line, uh, Brett Veach made a gamble again this offseason and replaced the team's Super Bowl starting tackles. Uh, how do you think they, those new additions have looked so far? And how do you think they'll do this season? So far, their offensive line has been unbelievable. I, I tweeted out, now look, it's the Cardinals, Okay. And I'm not. I'm not trying to absolutely just kill the Cardinals here, but like, the Cardinals are the leader in the clubhouse for the number one overall pick. The Chiefs had 38 quarterback dropbacks uh, against Arizona. They gave up zero quarterback hits, so it's pretty good. You're pretty happy with that. They were they were, they were plowing the road for for the run game. Uh, New Orleans is kind of tough because they only played like one series with Mahomes, and then they got out of there. And you know, but they were fine there. Their tackles have looked great. I, I mean, my feeling on the Chiefs is very, very simple. If that offensive line plays anywhere near the level it's played in the preseason and Mahomes is healthy, they're scoring 30 points a game. Like I don't care what else happens around them. I mean, yeah, look, you need Kelsey to be upright. And that, that, that You want to throw in that caveat, that's fine. Sure. They will throw to you, me, and Bobby down the street on the outside, and it, it won't matter. As long as you can catch the ball, it's fine. Um, they have great running backs. Like they're just they're loaded up, but offensively, yeah, that line is the most underplayed thing. By the way, like that cuts both ways. It's also the reason I, I have major reservations about the Jets. Like, can can the Jets block anybody? I don't know. You know, I no idea if the Jets can block anybody. The Chiefs, if Mahomes is upright and clean for two and a half, three seconds every play, good night. I mean, he's finding somebody or he's taking off running for positive yardage. So um yeah, they look great. And that, to me, really – I know a lot of people have looked at the receivers. My big question was Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith was a very good player for a long time in Tampa Bay, Pro Bowl-level player. Last year, had an elbow injury. I was told also had a thumb injury that was underplayed. Like That that was a real thing. He gutted through it. He did not play well. No one would argue he played well. I don't even think the Chiefs last year privately tell you he played well last year in Tampa, which is why they got him for one year in cheap. If he returns to what he was a couple of years ago, he's a really solid player, and he's still probably your fifth best lineman on that team. So I think if you're the Chiefs, you're thrilled so far at the way the O-lines look. Yeah, I'm with you, man. They're looking good. I've been trying to watch Wanya Morris a little bit in the preseason as well. I've like they've he's been, been good him, Yeah, right to left. So uh, he could be a, a future starter there as well. All right. What are you, what's, this is the last time I think we're going to be able to have you on until the season starts. So I got to ask you your season prediction. What's the record at the end of the year? We'll, we'll hold off on Super Bowl and all that. We'll, we'll get you on later. But as you sit here right now before the last preseason game, what's their record at the end of the year? I, I look at them, and as long as they're relatively healthy, you know, reasonably healthy, I think that team's floor is like 13 wins. I, I think this is the best team they've ever had around Mahomes. I really do. I, I know that's a weird thing to say when they've had Tyree Kill on the team, they've had Tyron Matthew on the team, Sammy Watkins. 
if Jones is back week one and he's Chris Jones, what is the weakness of this football team? What is it? I don't want to hear about receivers. They they were not exactly low to a Hall of Famers at receiver last year, and Mahomes threw for 5,250 yards as MVP in the league. I don't think their schedule is that hard. The division's not I, – I, here's my hot take of the year. I think the Raiders are going to be one of the three worst teams in football. Yeah. I, I don't think they stop anybody. I don't even know if that's a hot take, to be honest I, with you. Don't believe in the quarterback. Don't believe in the coach. Certainly don't believe in the defense. Um, Denver, I think, is – better because they have to be but i don't think they're good um i think they might be worse than people think i don't they can't not be better than they were last year right but, I, I think they're probably like seven wins i yeah. don't know maybe I, i'm not i'm not even sure um as my somebody's calling my boss is calling i'll get him back in there um he's fine um i i think i i would say 14 and three i'll go with what they did last year I, i'll yeah. say that Look, you know, maybe they lose one of the games in the AFC East. You know, they, they lose a home game there to Miami. That game goes to Germany. That could be a weird game. Um, they should beat New England. But it's in New England, and Belichick is Belichick. Like, it could just be one of those weird games where it's like, you know, Belichick trots out nine corners, and, like, nobody knows how to deal with it for three quarters. Give me a loss, one loss in the AFC West, one loss in the AFC East, and then, you know, one loss somewhere else. Like some game they shouldn't lose. Like like the classic, like they lose to Minnesota or something. Yeah. It's just some game where they have like four turnovers and they look like they're in a coma. Um, I will say, though, I, I think they're going to be the number one seed in the conference. I do. I, I think they're the best team. Uh, I think it's – I I won't give you the Super Bowl thing, but I will say I think we're going to have a, uh, a trilogy in the AFC title game. I think the, even as loaded as the conference is, those two teams, they're the two best teams. Yeah. Yeah, and the, it should, we should know the Broncos lost Jerry Judy today, not for the whole season, but it sounds like he has a, a hamstring injury and he's going to be out several weeks. And you know how those hamstring injuries can linger. It will be interesting to see, too, if the Bengals with Joe Burrow, they've been cagey about him. Will he be out there the first couple of weeks? They don't want that, they don't want that calf to linger. All no, season long, and, and it's a, it's a weird look. Um, that's a weird thing because if you're the Bengals, you start out with two division games. You're at yeah. Cleveland, you're home to Baltimore. Those are huge games for you. Those are that, that, in my opinion, is the best division of football. Yeah. Because another hot take, I think Pittsburgh's going to be good this year. I'm with you. Pittsburgh's going to be better than people think, man. Like that team, if Pickett is even decent, that team could win like eleven games. They are loaded. Um, so I think it's a tough division. Those are impactful games. Like if I'm the Bengals and they were playing, I think the Rams and the Titans are their games in week three and four. If that was reversed, oh, I'd be fine. I'd be like, well, we'll sit them against the Rams and the Titans. If we split them fine, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like you're it, in one way, you, you feel like you have to play him if he, if he's even you know 90% because like you need those games. On the other hand, if you play him and he's not a hundred percent and he re-injures that calf, your season's over. Yeah. Like your season in the AFC, if he misses six to eight regular season games, look, I gotta tell you, I was at Bengals camp watching Jake Browning throw the ball and Trevor Simeon. Good night. Okay, like they don't function with those two guys as a starting quarterback. So yeah, man, I, I think you have to be 100% with him. Even if it means early in the season, you're riding with you know Trevor Simeon and you're just hoping you can somehow find a way to win one of those games early. 
I agree, man. All right, before we let you go, we got to do Patty's power rankings. We 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 didn't have you on that much this off season because you got another job, uh, so we missed out on a lot of of food takes. So I thought it would be fun to rank our top three non Reese's candy bars. So oh, anything that you would find, anything you would find in the you know right right, right when you're checking out, uh, anything you can grab okay. there, but it can't have Reese's written on it anywhere. Let me ask, you know, it's actually funny you brought this up because I actually was at the grocery store today. I'd not get candy for the record. But I walked by and there was like one of those like pop-up stands, you know, like the cardboard, like the little end caps or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, hey, want a mallow cup? And I was thinking to myself, who the hell gets mallow cups? People in prison. I, yeah, like, I've never seen one human being ever be like, you know what I really am jonesing for? A mallow cup. <laughs> That's what I need in my life. Let me get some fluffed crap between chocolate. If you're getting a mallow cup and you're not getting a Reese's peanut butter cup, I, you like I'll pay for your therapy. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. The hell's wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. Who in God's name's like you know what? Listen, I I have all these choices in front of me, and yet the mallow cup is when. And yet I, by just looking at the packaging, I'm pretty sure it's been around since like 1790. Yeah. So clearly yeah. someone's buying this or someone is funding this that, that has more money than God. And they don't care if they keep losing the money. Yep. Like I I just have no idea. You could get state secrets out of me. I haven't even been told yet. If you're like, you got to eat a mallow cup. <laughs> I would not do anything. Yeah. I'll, anything at all. Um, bad. I, I don't get, I, I don't know what the hell's going on. But in any event, all right. So if Reese's, if it's not Reese's and I'm at the stand, are we just talking chocolate or like Skittles are in play here too? I, I, I put candy bar. So, okay. but then, I, but then I said anything you can grab in that place. So, yeah, we'll go candy bar. I'll go, go candy, candy bar. bar. So, yeah. all right. So, I'll, I'll say underrated, highly underrated Fifth Avenue bar. Fifth Avenue is good. Highly yeah. underrated. That's my number one pick. Believe it or not. Um, oh, that's that's one for you. There's no. Yeah, it's number one for me. Yep. Oh, okay. So we're going one to three. Yeah, I'll go one to three. What the hell? I'll change it. Okay. Fifth Avenue bars is fantastic. I used to get them with the old man all the time when I was younger. Yeah. They're awesome. Number okay. two. And they're hard to find, except apparently on Halloween when they're like the most prevalent candy in the world. 100 grand bar. Huge fan. Grand. Underrated huge, as well. Huge fan. Huge fan. And then I, I got I to go Twix, man. Like, Twix. And, 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 and I could have gone Kit Kat. Like, that would have been fine. But like Twix, like especially those, just, again, kind of the ode to Reese's, but the peanut butter chocolate ones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Clean yeah. house. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll go one to three, two. I, I'm starting off with Twix. After Reese's, Twix is fantastic. You get two of them. I know together they just probably add up to one like Snickers size candy bar, but I like the fact that there's two. It makes me feel like I'm getting more. And it's just, it's fantastic. I like how you can kind of bite into them and get through the caramel. And then you hit that like wafer and then, oh man, it's just absolutely so good. Um, So I'm going Twix, Twix guy through and through. Number two, uh, I think I'm going to go three Musketeers. Okay. So I saw somebody good, mention good candy bar. Good yeah, candy bar. really solid, um, smooth. It's a little bit different. I saw somebody in the chat say uh, zero bar. Shout out to that person, by the way, because that's another underrated wonky. It's sort of like in the mallow cup family, but yeah. it's but it's actually when you have it, you're like, oh shit, why don't I ever get a zero bar? I, I got Nathan in the chat just said hundred grand <laughs> bar, aka two training camp practices, which is just fantastic. <laughs> well done oh. by you, sir. And yeah. somebody else, I'm, I'm looking for it. I want to give him credit here. Uh, Sean says a whatchamacallit, which is excellent. But I'm with, I'm with you there. 
Latrell said Butterfinger, which is excellent. There's somebody, Butterfinger's good. Somebody else said something in here, and I saw it, and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, oh, um, my guy Stacy said uh, he had Mr. Goodbar as number two. And, and while I like Mr. Goodbar, it reminded me for some reason of another. Man, if you can get a crackle bar or a crunch bar, which are basically yeah. the same thing, yeah. those are heaven. I'm in all day long there. Yeah, very satisfying. And number three for me, I think this is the most underrated candy bar maybe in the world. Wow. And that's that's uh, Caramello. Do you ever have one of those? I, don't, the, I know what they are. I don't they're they're ever have had the a chocolate squares, and they have like a melty – uh, caramel on the inside, real, real gooey. I don't know how they get it. That can, it's not like the caramel on a Twix bar, which is like, right, which is a harder consistency. Yeah. Um, oh god, those things are just absolutely incredible. Um, okay. And uh, I will throw out there, they're seasonal, but I'm a big Cadbury cream egg guy. Some people oh, don't they're like amazing. Oh they're, god, yeah, 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 just, yeah, just heaven. Even I, I had a, I had never had a caramel one before. And right at Easter, my, my mother-in-law handed me one and I just shoved the whole thing in my mouth. And I just sat there for like, you know, cause you know how gooey it takes a while to chew. Oh, I just yeah. sat there in like a trance for five minutes chewing that thing. I was so happy. I'm, I'm, it's bringing back good feelings. Just, just thinking about it, by the way, we're talking about food. It's almost kind of chocula season, baby. Oh my God. I know it. It's Bro, so I. I've uh, pretty much actually I coincided when I started Sports Illustrated. So we haven't talked about this much. I got to admit this: like, I am massively into pickleball, like to the point that it's it's it maybe is like some kind of a problem at this point. I got like I'll play anywhere between if I if I can like work allows I'll play up to like five hours a day. Like, I just I get after it, man. I play a ton of pickleball, indoor, outdoor, whatever. I just I just got into a tournament like we're rolling, and. You burn, at least I burn. I got my wife got me one of those like fitness watches to, to track all well, your like vitals and your calorie burning and everything else. Yeah, I burn like 450 calories an hour, so I'm burning literally some days over 2,000 calories playing pickleball. It's been great for the uh, for the waistline, but now I can counterbalance that with Count Chocula and yeah. not feel terrible. Yeah, I'm literally going to be factoring in like when I'm playing. I'm gonna, I got to at least play three hours, so I earn like three bowls of Count Chocula. It's going to be a problem. Yeah, because I know how this is going to play out. I am constantly going to just be like, all right, burn the thousand calories. Got factor that in. You get the Count Chocula. Go. I'm going to be buying every, I don't know what, every other day like a box of Count Chocula. Yeah. Somebody shot me a text or the text, a tweet, and you might have even been on there. That like they saw Count Chocula in the wild. If you see Count Chocula in the wild, by all means, like just keep the bit going. Like send me yeah. a picture. Yeah, I don't care. It, it's fantastic. In fact, I do care. It's funny as hell. Like send me a picture. Where'd you see it? Where is it? Because what, the first time I see it, I'm buying a I'm buying an effing pallet of it. Yeah, yeah. It's the this the, the I think it's General Mills. They should put out their own fitness tracker. That's just it. Just tells doesn't tell you how many calories it you burned. Up the box, yeah. <laughs> it just tells you how many bowls of Count Chocula you earned. It's like I think it's like 140 calories a bowl. Every every 140 calories, it's like you you just burned three bowls of Count Chocula. Congratulations, <laughs> you know. And then you get like a coupon when you get to ten. You get like yeah, a free. I'll, I'll even like put in like that like 30 calorie a serving like almond milk with it, so I can just earn more Count Chocula. Smart. That's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like I'm not above that. I'd rather just have regular milk, but I'm not even, I'm not above it. Like if that means like I'm packing more count chocolate, <clears throat> sign me up. And I had a tip for you. So yeah. I was, I was at the grocery store over the weekend and I was looking for count chocula and they didn't have it yet, but they did have chocolate, uh, Halloween lucky charms. Mm. And I got to tell you, it's pretty close. Wow. It's pretty close to count chocula. Like if you, if you're Jones in, yep. this is going to be seasonal too, but I was like, I think it's called haunted, haunted lucky charms. Uh, and shout out to Rhino for the for the super chat. He says, "Good to see you, Verderam. I miss you." And Patrick's weekly banter. LOL. Cheers. Don't worry. We're gonna be. We're, we want to make Verderam a. He'll he'll be around this season. Uh, yes. Don't worry about. I, that. I will. Uh, I will be here to annoy you guys plenty. Yeah. Um, but ch- check it out if you see it. Haunted Lucky Charms. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty. Look, good. At, look at Stacy saying, "You guys are sold, man. I'm finally gonna grab some Count Chocolate." <laughs> how, how have you waited this long? Hey, Stacey, listen, when I come out, to, I'm covering the game in Kansas City, the season opener. I'll be out in the, for September 7th for the Chiefs-Lions game. I'm staffing it and covering it for Sports Illustrated. Say, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get together. We'll get some, uh, get some breakfast, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll go, you know, we'll, we'll find some couch chocolate. I'll, like, bring a box of couch chocolate onto a restaurant, and, and we'll just go from there. Just pour it yourself. Yeah, I, I'm going to be there as well. I'm going to be at the game as a fan. Oh, you'll uh, be out there. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, All right, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that. Yeah, Best and I will be there. We'll have to grab a drink. So, spoiler alert, I won't be on the show that day. Um, but the other guys will be here. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, this was awesome, man. So good to have you back. Uh, uh, working out uh, a little, little schedule. Want to see you back on the show, hopefully, uh, occasionally during the season. That'll be fun. Yeah. I know you're going to be a busy guy. Um, but uh, we're going to be looking forward to watching your coverage over at Sports Illustrated, it's been great um, since you joined up. But really excited to see. Obviously, you joined after the Super Bowl, so yeah. Now we get to we get to read all the interesting stuff you're going to write about the whole league all season long. Of course, they were they were doing that at Fan Sided too, but it's a different job over there. You have different responsibilities, sure. Um, um, and so that's, yeah, that's cool. And I, and I would say, listen, uh, right before I did this podcast, I actually recorded my first uh, podcast episode on the MMQB, which I'll be on every week. So great. Uh, I would tell people, if you enjoy my commentary, I mean, I certainly will be uh, checking in here plenty, but also go subscribe to the MMQB podcast as well. Get your Arrowhead Attic fixed. I'm not saying that don't do that. Definitely do that. But then uh, check out the MMQB. I'll be on with uh, Gilberto Manzano, and then I, I think I'll also be on at different times with Albert Breer and Connor Orr and, and our editor, Mitch Goldit. So um, I'll be there plenty. I've had a lot of people, the reason I bring it up, is I've had a lot of people ask me on Twitter, like, hey, you're going to do this? You do those every week. I'll be visiting on here. Um, and then also on Twitter, I do my super follower thing, which is nice. It's kind of like a, a, a private podcast where I'll answer, if you have a question – I answer every question on there. As Jeremy points out, Jeremy's one of the super followers. I will answer every question. We usually chat for at least an hour. It's like every Friday night. Um, and then usually I try to factor in sometimes Sundays during the season. So, uh, in fact, I almost always, if not always, do it. So, there's going to be plenty of Matt Verderam content, for better or worse. That might be a threat to some people. I don't know. But it's going to be there. Uh, we were going we to get out of here, but our guy, Angry Drunken German, has got to be taking a task on this. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is surprisingly good. Not I a top surprise one, about that, but surprisingly good. I, how can you say that, man? About Cinnamon Toast Crunch, not a top, not a top, one? top one. Yeah, no, but, but that belongs. You belong in prison. Yeah. yeah. Um, come on, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the Mahomes of cereals. Yeah, 
It really is. Like there are other good. By the way, how is he not sponsoring that or something? I I, I don't yeah. understand how that has become a deal yet. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The best part about it is the last bowl in a in a bag of Cinnamon Toast Crunch or a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, because you get all the cinnamon and the sugar that like mm-hmm. fell to the bottom. Oh my god! I could do a podcast just on that bowl of cereal. It yeah. gets so good. Brandon Dickerson, by the way, good call. Peanut butter crafting and crunch, uh, peanut butter crafting crunch, I should say. Yeah. Oh, it's the one downside of that cereal is like when you're done eating it, it's just in every single crevice of every tooth you have. Yeah. But it's so good, it doesn't matter. It is yep. wor- is absolutely worth the cavities. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I love that cereal. Growing up as a kid, my God, I used to house that stuff. Yes, indeed, and it cuts the roof of your mouth. Well, the regular one does. Um, all right, everybody, we got to get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Matt Verderam. Always uh, fun to have you on the podcast. Shout out to producer Richard behind the scenes making this whole thing work. Shout out to all of our members for your support all off season. We're almost there, you guys. We're almost there. One more preseason to go. Light your candles for the the anti injury stuff. Be good to each other from now until the weekend is over. And uh, and then we'll be rocking and rolling. It'll be uh, we'll be looking ahead to the Detroit Lions. We'll be back on Saturday, uh, just before the game, about half an hour before the game. I'll be here uh, taking your questions, previewing the game, and then we'll have our halftime show and our post game show as well. So for Matt Verram, for producer Richard, my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you guys this weekend. But until then, as always, go Chiefs. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.